turn and ask you, if you have your Bible, to turn very quickly to the psalm, Psalm chapter 5, verse 7. And I'm just using this as a capstone verse to, to launch into my message. I'll invite you to stand as I read it. It won't be very long, but uh, may we hear these words today and apply them to our hearts. Psalm 5, verse 7 says this, But I, by your great love, can come into your house. In reverence, I bow down toward your holy temple. May God add that blessing to his word. You can now be seated. Well, if you've been with us these few weeks during Advent season, I've been uh, having some fun looking at messages of the, the various Christmas carols that we sing during this season. And on this fourth Sunday of Advent, after kind of doing some wrestling, on this Christmas Eve, I thought it would be a, a good strategy to talk about the song, O Holy Night, the one that you just heard a few minutes ago. The, the lyrics were written by a Frenchman named Placide Capou in 1847. Now, I'm probably not a French person, so if I mispronounce that, my apologies. But Capou was the, the son of a wine cellar and a barrel maker. He was supposed to follow in his father's footsteps, but he lost his hand due to a, a tragic childhood accident, and so he wasn't able to make a, a way of living the way he, his father did. So he eventually became a poet, and while he was never much of a churchgoer, one day he was surprised when the local Catholic priest asked him to write a song to, to celebrate the church's new organ for the upcoming Christmas Mass at midnight. Now, later, Capot was confirmed as an atheist. He became a free thinker and a socialist, and so the song was eventually banned by the church in France. It became illegal to sing that song for over two decades for its lack of religious sincerity. Now, yet once it had been released, people heard it, it resonated within them, and still they sang it in their homes in the privacy as long as a neighbor didn't hear it. Legend records, however, that in 1871, during fierce fighting between France and Germany during the Franco-Prussian Wars, on Christmas Eve, a French soldier jumped out of his trench without a weapon. Both sides stared at this seemingly crazed man. No weapon at his side, he lifted his eyes to heaven and he began to sing, O Holy Night. Well, after completing all three verses, a German infantryman climbed out of his little hiding place and he answered with Martin Luther's hymn, from heaven above to earth I come. Well, this wave of emotion and solidarity caused a truce to be declared for 24 hours to celebrate Christmas. Not long after, it became legal again to sing the song in France. Now, it might bother you to know that Capot wasn't a Christian. In fact, he was rather eccentric. They are, they, he was said to have been buried standing up due to his belief that the spirit left the body from the head, and he insisted to be buried that way. But in fact, for, for me, thinking about his life, it, it, it almost makes the song even more noteworthy. 
It demonstrates again that the gospel is so powerful it can be channeled through imperfect people. Now, I know that firsthand. Every week I get up here, I'm amazed that God has chosen me to be his ambassador of good news. Although, I've got to tell you, that was in question this very week. If you were here last Sunday, I told the congregation that my daughter Faith, home from college, brought two cats with her. Kittens, playful, mischievous, getting into all kinds of stuff. You know, these are the kind of cats we are dealing with. So now we have three cats in the, the Schultz home. Yes, we become one of those people. And thanks to my son and daughter-in-law, we now have a dog for the weekend to just make things more interesting. Well, I was home on Tuesday doing some work on my messages that I was going to preach this weekend and a funeral. But I, I had my laptop out sitting on the table. I, I walked away for a few minutes, but suddenly I hear a crash on the floor. I see a cat scurrying. My laptop's on the floor, face down. I race over to the laptop. The screen is cracked all the way through. We now only have two cats. No, no, but, but that's what I was thinking. And so if the sermon isn't very good, you know why, okay? The Bible says, we have this treasure in jars of clay to show that the all-surpassing power is from God and not from us. You know, within a, a few years, an American musician named John Sullivan Dwight translated O Holy Night into English, and it quickly found favor in America, especially in the North during the Civil War. And if you think about it, there is a wonderful message in this song. The first verse reminds us of our reason for hope. Long lay the world in sin and error, pining till he appeared and the soul felt its worth. I will remind you this morning that the Bible teaches that we've all sinned and separated ourselves from God. In fact, we are wallowing in sin and error. The word pining means yearning. We are longing for relief from guilt and release from the fear of death. Jesus came to earth to, to reconcile us to God and give us hope for eternal life. It, it's my joy to share that wonderful message of salvation. Imagine if you were on the Titanic. You are visited by an angel who warns, this ship has been hit by an iceberg. It's taking on water fast and it will surely sink in two hours. Go to a lifeboat. There is plenty of room. Well, you would you would instantly begin to move. You would instantly take this opportunity to experience salvation. If you believed the angel, you would head for the lifeboat immediately and, and you'd do your utmost to persuade others that you cared about to do the same. 
Now, listen, that's not a message of condemnation and gloom. No. It's a message of reality and hope and life. 1 John 2.17 says, the world and its desires pass away, but the man who does the will of God lives forever. Let me tell you this morning that Christmas is not a sweet legend about a baby who was born in a poverty area and grew up to influence the world in a positive way. No. It's a true diagnosis of our human condition. We were lost, sitting in sin, sinking desperately. We were without God, without hope, but God cared so much that he came to save us. We all know John 3:16 for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. But sometimes we stop there. What we need to recognize are the next two verses where Jesus himself says for God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world but to save the world through him. Whoever believes in him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe stands condemned already because he has not believed in the name of God's one and only son. That means that Jesus Christ came for every person in this room. And because he came, would you just relish the soul feeling its worth God came for you. The thrill of hope, the weary soul rejoices. Will Willimon is a now retired preacher, but he was once asked to summarize the gospel in seven words or less. His response was, God refuses to be God without us. And I think that's true. Be reminded this morning that we needed a savior. But this carol reminds us further that we should revere our Lord. We should come to him in reverence. Fall on your knees, O oh, hear the angel voices, O oh, night divine when Christ was born. The other night I had one of those dreams that went on through the night. You know, you kind of wake up and then suddenly you find yourself right back into the same where it picks up. Uh, uh, you probably have had that experience too. But, but this dream that I had was I was a part of a, of a small royal wedding and one of my sons and I were staying at the palace. Now, you can psychoanalyze that all you want, but... Uh, but I remember I was enamored with all the history. I was looking at the walls and the staircase and, 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 and all of this. But part of the dream, I remember, was being told how I was supposed to act in front of the royal couple, the protocol. The Bible teaches that there should be an awesome sense of reverence when we come into the presence of God. God called Moses from the burning bush and he said, Moses, you take your shoes off because you're standing on holy ground. God told the Israelites as they came to Mount Sinai before he gave them the commandments, don't touch the mountain or you will surely die. 
for the mountain is sacred. The Bible also says we are to be joyful in the presence of God, surely, but we're not to come into his presence casually or flippantly. Come and worship him, we sang. He is all-powerful, we are weak. He is holy, we are imperfect. He is omniscient, we are limited in our intelligence. He is the ultimate judge, and we are the accused. And so the psalmist wrote, by your love, by your great mercy, may I come into your house in reverence while I bow down toward your holy temple. Now the second stanza of O Holy Night, and we don't often sing that in, modern, in our modern era, but it is really about the reverence of the wise men when they came to worship Christ. It says, led by the light of a star sweetly gleaming, here come wise men from Orient land. The king of kings lay there in lowly manger in all our trials born to be our friend. Fall on your knees. Here were wealthy, educated, experienced travelers bowing down before a little baby in a manger. And do you know why? Because they knew who he was. There's a proper protocol when you come before the king of kings. And when you look at that nativity scene and understand truly why and who he is, why he came and what it will cost him, then out of reverence and thanksgiving, you have to fall on your knees before him. Now, the last stanza talks about our relationship with others. You see, when you fall in love with love itself, it changes the way you interact. Truly, he taught us to love one another. His law is love and his gospel is peace. The reason John Sullivan Dwight loved this song so much and translated it into English is that he was an ardent abolitionist. He hated slavery and felt it was evil. And so he resonated with the words, chains shall he break and the slave is our brother and in his name all oppression shall cease. You see, Jesus Christ came down to break down barriers, not but just between man and God, but to break down barriers between people. Galatians 3.28 reminds us, there is neither Jew nor Greek, slave nor free, male or female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. Think about the people of God. Think about the people that God included in that first Christmas celebration. He had shepherds. They were poor and uneducated, thought to be the lowest of the low in their society. The magi, the wise men were there. They were wealthy and intellectuals. The elderly were included. An 84-year-old woman named Anna rejoiced at his birth, and an old prophet named Simeon held Jesus in his arms and gave thanks that he had seen the Messiah. A young couple, scared and unsure and 
by the way, soon to be run out of town, included in that first Christmas were young and old, rich and poor, the Gentile and the Jew, the educated and the uneducated, men and women. God's love reached out to all people from all walks of life. No one is excluded. And so the way, it seems to me, that we make Christmas special and holy is not just to come to church and bow before our Lord, but it is to express love to all of God's people. In other words, you want to please me? Be nice to my kids. And if you want to please God, love his children. That means overlooking it means forgiving. It, it, it means putting others' interests above your own. Give, give attention even when they're a little boring. Don Carson wrote, a Christianity where believers are not patient and kind, a Christianity where believers characteristically envy, are proud and boastful, rude, easily angered, and keep of record of wrongs is no Christianity at all. Christians, let us remember that. We, in fact, have been given the ministry of reconciliation, the Bible says. It is our calling. I'm praying for families this time of year that there would be a season of reconciliation and restoration because of the grace that God pours out. You know, one of the things that I have been so impressed with as I've read and thought about God during this Advent season is just the humility of our Lord. You know, he came <laughs> poor, unsheltered, he came as a servant. And we show him our love and devotion by devoting ourselves to love others and serve them. The Bible, in fact, says, Dear friends, since God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. Years later, after the song was written, Reginald Fessenden, a young college professor and former chief chemist for Thomas Edison, figured out that combine, by combining two frequencies, radio could do more than just transmit Morse code. It would be possible to speak. And so on Christmas Eve, 1906, Fessenden made history as he spoke into a microphone over the airwaves. And you know what he read? He said, and it came to pass in those days that there went out a decree from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be taxed. Shocked, radio operators on ships and wireless business owners suddenly flocked to their units to hear over their tiny speakers someone reading the Christmas story from the book of Luke. Nothing like this had ever happened before. It was a, a Christmas miracle. Fessenden then as he concluded, picked up his violin and he performed the first song that was ever 
to be transmitted over the radio airwaves and I suspect you can guess what it was. Oh, holy night. And so the gospel would be heard around the world. You know, one of the things I always amazed at this time of year is on the radio in my car or I'm walking in a mall or Walmart, they're still playing Oh Holy Night. They're still proclaiming the glorious morning and what Christ has done. The gospel is not hidden. But have we received it? C.S. Lewis made this observation about Christmas. He said, you know, if you think about it, there really are three Christmases. One, there is uh, the Merry Christmas. You know, Merry Christmas, parties, celebrations, festivities, merrymaking. Then, then there is the, the consumer Christmas. People obsessed with buying new, buying stuff, getting stuff, wrapping up gifts, all the things involved in get, 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 gift, gift, gift. But only a few people engage in a holy Christmas where they come face to face with the reality of what Jesus did for me. And when that happens, when you realize what he's done for you, you're never the same again. He came as a gift. And all you have to do is receive it. Will this be, my friend, a holy night for you? Let's pray together. Father, I pray that your Holy Spirit will just fall in this place and we would each take stock of our relationship with you. That yes, God, you are holy, but because you are humble, you came in such a humble way to show us yourself. And you came to show us you loved us. You came not to condemn us, but to save us. And my prayer is that there would not be one person in this room who has not said yes to your gift. Friend, brother, sister, if this is your morning, may it be a holy night for you as you say yes to the gift of Jesus. In your heart of hearts, would you just ask him to come and be born in you? That he would forgive your sin. That you trust him, that he was raised from the dead and died on the cross for you. And that one day, know this, friend, he promises you will be with him in the place that he has prepared. Not because you're good, but because he's good. Lord, we pray that reality will be ours as we come to this table. I ask this in your name. Amen.